0: This is the time we release our children and volunteers at Children's Church. We invite you guys to head back in that direction. Those of us that are left, if you'll take your Bible and find Matthew chapter 5, we're going to finish up a series today on uh, the Beatitudes, uh, this teaching of Jesus uh, that teaches us how to have a blessed life. And Remember, the purpose of blessing is not just for us. It's good to be blessed, and we all want to be blessed, But the purpose of the blessing is so that others can experience the blessing of God through us. That we are to live radically different lives so that others can be drawn to the grace and the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God that we have received. And so as we we look at this, we're looking at it through the lens of, and with the purpose of living the blessed life, having a blessed life, so that we can impact this culture of chaos that we live in. Uh, We're we're not going to impact culture by arguing the best we're not going to impact culture by having the loudest tantrums we're not going to impact culture uh, with with anything that that comes from the anger and the frustration that builds up inside of us as human beings we're going to impact culture by living a godly life by living a radically transformed life not responding to the world like the world is used to being responded to. not responding to the to the um, uh, the the threats, the the hatred, the 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 guile, the, the different things, the different um, um, beliefs that the world has. We're we're not going to win the argument by arguing. We're going to win. We're going to demonstrate. We're going to impact culture by living and responding radically different than the world expects us to, as Jesus did. Now, it doesn't mean that life is always going to be easy, and that's what we're going to look at today. Oftentimes, we, we put uh, or equate blessing with comfort, blessing with fairness. I'm just going to tell you, try to explain this to my kids when they were young and help them understand it. Fair is a human understanding, fair is a human perspective. Life is not fair. Okay. God never said life was going to be fair, actually, he said just the opposite. He said, if you live, for me, if you live under my authority, if you live a godly good life, he said, you will be persecuted. There ain't nothing fair about that. He says you're you're to love people who who hate you. Ain't nothing fair about that. You're to forgive people when they despitefully use you. There ain't nothing fair about that. So fairness is a, 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 a human contrived idea. Now we are to be just. We're to uh, l- treat people with equality and equity, but equity is not fairness. Uh, we're, we're, to, we're to live and we're to love like like we want to be loved. We're to, we're to treat people like we want to be treated. Doesn't mean they're always going to treat us that way. The Bible actually says the exact opposite. So for Christians, fairness is not what we're looking for okay we can't we can't determine how we're going to respond to people on what is fair and what is not fair we are to live in the grace that we have received because if god was fair we'd all be busting hell wide open if we all got what we deserved ain't none of us got a chance god is a god of grace and we are to reciprocate that that grace that we've received that 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 imbalance that we have received from God we're to extend to other people and so we 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 need to let the word of God and the the truth of God transform our perception about some things and and today we're going to finish up the last two of the beatitudes the last two verses and and Hopefully, as we look at it, God will begin to work in us this, this truth that, that if we're going to live a blessed life, we can't give what we receive. We can't, we can't look for fairness in life. We've got to understand that life is not fair. And if you're a follower of God, it's going to be way unbalanced in the fairness uh, area. And, and, and we've got to be okay with that. Because we're not looking to please man. We're not looking to to live for this life. We're living for eternity. We're living for a whole different reason than than fairness. Okay? So if you would stand with me, we're going to begin as we have been in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. And we're going to read through these beatitudes. These attitudes that we should let the presence of God, the Spirit of God, develop in us so that we can live a truly blessed life. Life it says, He opened his mouth, Jesus, and began teaching them, his disciples, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who un- hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied remember those deal with our relationship with the Lord our spiritual attitude as we come before God being poor in spirit being broken over our sin and hungering and thirst for righteousness being, being humble towards him and living under his authority surrendering to him then these next ones deal with our relationship with people our horizontal relationships blessed are the merciful Those who show mercy, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Lord God we come to you this morning. Lord asking you to. Open up our hearts, and God, open up our minds. And Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the truth of your word, God, I pray you begin to transform our perspective and our understanding of what it means to live in right relationship with you, to experience your presence in our life, to experience your power in our life, to, 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 to experience you, Lord, to the fullest, to truly be blessed. And so, Lord, I, I pray that, that you would help us get a right understanding of what blessing means. God, help us realign our focus on what truly matters. God, help us have a better understanding of why we're saved and why we're still here as your kingdom, as your children, as your church. Lord, help us to live faithfully under you. God, we want to be blessed. We want to experience all that you have for us. God, we've also got to understand that when we live for you, that is absolutely going to put us at odds with the world. And so let us be okay with that, God. Let us not be hateful. Let us not use it as an excuse to be mean, but Lord, that we would walk in the grace that we have been given we would walk in the mercy that we have received and the love that has been showered upon us, God, may we share all of those with those around us, no matter what. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and power forever. Amen. You may be seated. So again, we've been looking at this idea or this this, um, teaching about how to live a blessed life. What does it mean to be blessed? And most of the time we equate that with physical possessions. We equate that with good health. We equate that with with, uh, no problems or uh, fewer problems than we would have outside of the blessing of God. uh, But sometimes the, the truth is if we look at Scripture, blessing has nothing to do with our circumstances. Blessing is the the presence of God in our life. Blessing is the power of God in our life. Blessing is the reality of God living in us and living through us, accomplishing the purpose that we were saved for, to live a radically different life, to live a life that counts for eternity, not for just a few brief years that we're here on earth. So to be blessed is not about us, To be blessed is about the power of God, the kingdom of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God for our life. So if we're going to be blessed, then we've got to be all in for the kingdom. We're truly going to be blessed. We've got to surrender ourselves. We've got to surrender our lives. We've got to surrender our circumstances. We've got to surrender our feelings. We've got to surrender our rights. It's all about surrendering to the Lord. I'm just going to tell you, that's the hardest thing there is to do. Often we, we, especially when you you, you look at it from a military perspective, man, we we look at people that surrender, man, come on. You're supposed to be willing to die for what you believe in. Surrender is a bad thing, man. Don't don't ever give up the fight. Well, the surrender here is not, it's actually the, the, the continuing of the fight. We're fighting against the flesh. We're fighting against our own desire to be Lord over our life. We're fighting against our own desire to be the absolute authority of our existence. So in order to surrender to God, we've got to fight our flesh. That's why Paul says that we are to fight the good fight. He's not so much talking about the fight out here between us and them or believers and non-believers. Man, he's talking about the fight inside of you. That's the hardest fight there is. And the hardest thing to do for us is to surrender ourselves to the truth of God's word. Surrender our will to the will of God for us. To surrender our comfort for the glory of God. And that is hard. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm here to testify this morning. It's hard. Man, there is such blessing in it because when we surrender to God, then God has the ability to move and work in us and then through us to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I think that's one of the main reasons that we as Christians and we as the church today are so lackluster in our ability to influence the culture that's around us that so we're so lackluster in the ability to to make a difference in the lives of people is because we are unwilling to surrender we've stopped fighting the good fight within ourselves and we begin to to just focus on the fight out there we're we're all against abortion we're all against this and we're all against that man we're up in arms and we're we're fighting over this and fighting over that and we've we've neglected the fight on the inside And until we learn to fight the good fight here, we're never going to be effective in the culture. And that's why the the Beatitudes are so important. That's why it's it's so important. And Jesus is talking about this and laying the groundwork that he continues to build on throughout the ministry and throughout the teaching and the development of the the apostles and the disciples and the early church. That's why the whole of the New Testament deals with building on this foundation of what our attitudes are supposed to be like and what our actions are supposed to be like are all found in these beatitudes and everything else builds on these to help us fulfill these. So we've got to understand that as a Christian, When you sign up for Christ, it says, Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow him. That denying of ourselves is the hardest part. And it's not a one and done deal. It's a daily, moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, feeling by feeling. (laughs) Thing that's got to take place. We've got to deny ourselves and let God show us, let God teach us, let God transform us. Quit focusing on ours and focus more on his. And let his become our desire. So he says, after he's gone through these, these things about being a peacemaker, man, the, the hardest or one of the most difficult aspects of peace is, 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 is and being a peacemaker is understanding that, that look, you, you can't always fight for your right, as the Beastie Boys once said, you can't fight for your right and be a peacemaker. You can't look at yourself, well, if I just let this go, I'm, they're going to think I'm a doormat. They're, they're going to run over me, man. They're going to use me. They're going to do all this stuff. Again, who's the focus? Me. Jesus says if we're going to be peacemakers, then, then we've got to let me go. We've got to die to ourselves and, and our reputation, our um, uh, desires our comfort cannot be the priority, and quit focusing on what's fair, and focus on what advances the kingdom of God. And so he says, "Blessed, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness." Man, we we often uh, think about. Um, people around the world and even the prophets when we're reading the Old Testament and the early church we think about the persecution that they went through and we read about the persecution and all the struggles that they have and the prophets, man, think of uh, uh, Jeremiah and Nehemiah and Moses and all the struggles that they had, the prophets of God and, and we look at them and we, we, we venerate them we, we, we think, man, those, those guys are super spiritual folks and he says, blessed are those who have been persecuted but there is a qualifier. For righteousness' sake, there are people being persecuted all around the world. But just because you persecuted doesn't mean you're blessed. Doesn't mean that God is smiling down. It doesn't mean that that elevates you to some, some uh, heavenly um, um, realm just because you're persecuted. And people are persecuted all the time for different reasons. But he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For living godly lives, for doing what God wants them to do and to, to, to be who God wants them to be, who are, who are at odds with the world because they are, are in line with God's truth. He says, blessed are those. And man, we, we've got a lot of people around the world that, 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 that today are experiencing persecution for their faith in Christ. Man in India and in the Middle East and, and and in China and all kinds of places people are being killed daily. People are losing their homes, man their houses are being burned down, their businesses are being burned down. They're they're being uh, harassed and beaten persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ the the audacity to say that that there is objective truth and God is the one who determines what truth is and and they uphold that truth they live by that truth and they say God is the one who determines what's right and wrong not society not culture not me but God does and so they're persecuted for that and we look at them we 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 I don't know if you get the publication or the emails from the Voice of the Martyrs. We watched the movie one time, uh, uh, not too long, it's about a year ago, about the Voice of the Martyrs, this persecuted church in, in, in China. And, man, we look at that and we think, man, those are some godly people. Man, they've got a great reward coming from heaven. Though, man, though, those folks, God must be watching over. God must be so proud of them. So you, uh, you, you see this first one, blessed are those the people that we see that may be losing everything, but man, there is such a, a joy, a peace, and a, and they're actually doing great work for the kingdom of God because they're willing to undergo persecution for their belief and for their faith. Did you know that the church, the the, the, the Christian church, the true church is growing like crazy in China? Did you know there are, there are thousands upon thousands of Muslims being converted in the Middle East? Because Christians are willing to die for their faith. They're they're willing to to be killed rather than reject the name of Christ, rather than denounce their faith in Jesus. Not because they're not going around wearing demolitions and and, and, uh, suicide vests, they're not going around blowing other people up for their faith. They're willing to die and be persecuted, be beaten, to, to be burned alive because they will not denounce the name of Jesus. When we look at those people, man, they must have a huge faith. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. God says there are people out there that we need to look to and see that, hey, there are others around the world that are struggling. There are others around the world that are willing to die rather than denounce the name of Jesus. And we've got to... To a little introspective then. And I, I I I don't want to speak up because somebody may call me a holy roller. I, I'm I'm afraid to say something at work because somebody might get mad at me, or the boss might give me a reprimand, or you know, and we look at those and think what they're going through, but and we hold them up high and we, we should pray for them, and we look to them. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They understand that we live for a kingdom other than our own. They understand what it means to be a a, a member of the kingdom of God. That the world is not going to like us. The world is not going to think we're great. As long as we're just doing good stuff, that's fine. But when you do good stuff and pronounce the gospel as the reason for your acts of kindness and your acts of love and generosity, then the world has a problem. You can do all the good you want to. Just don't bring the gospel along with it. But anytime we do, the world is going to have a problem with us. So blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But then he makes it personal. You know, I never really noticed this until I was studying for this series. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then the next thing out of Jesus' mouth says, "Blessed are you." So we often think, man, they're just super spiritual people, man. they I, 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 I just admire their faith, and I admire their willingness to, to, to die for their faith, and man, I, but. Come on, I don't know if I could do that. Jesus is saying, look, the blessing is not just for them out there. God wants to bless you. The power and the presence of God, God wants to manifest that in your life. God wants to manifest that in your family. God wants to manifest that in your circumstances, in your workplace. God wants the, the kingdom increased because of your dedication to To the kingdom and the truth of God. The blessing is not just for them. The blessing is also available to us. So he says blessed are you. When people insult you. And persecute you. And falsely. Again another qualifier. And falsely say all kind of evil against you. Because of me. So the blessing. Occurs. The blessing is ours. When we're willing, and when the church is willing, to surrender their self to the glory of God. To deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. But we've got to understand, to do that means it's automatically going to set us at odds with the world. It doesn't mean when I follow God and when I'm all in for God that everybody's going to love me and everything's going to go well and nobody's going to hate me and nobody's going to talk bad about me and and all my my problems are going to go away. No, Jesus says, look, this is going to cause more struggles in your life. But you can't experience the presence and the power of God unless you're willing to suffer for the kingdom. Paul said it this way when he was talking about his willingness to be beaten and to be, to be run out of town and to be imprisoned and all the things that he went through, he says, look, I find it all joy. I am glad to complete or to fulfill what's lacking in the suffering of Christ. Did you know that there's still suffering that has to be done in order for the kingdom to advance? Jesus came to suffer on the cross, didn't he? I mean, this this month, we're celebrating his coming, his advent, his entering into humanity. And he came with the purpose of dying and suffering for us. But Paul says that there is still suffering to be done for the sake of the kingdom. And, And the kingdom cannot advance. The gospel cannot advance without the willingness of God's people to suffer so that it will. That's why he says, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross. I don't know what your I don't know what my cross is going to look like. But what I'm saying, what Jesus is saying is, look, you've got to be willing to suffer for the sake of the kingdom. You're not going to be everybody's favorite. Things aren't always going to go well for you. It's going to cost you. And the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus, the more it's going to cost. More of us. And so if, if we're going to experience the blessing of God, if we're going to experience all that God has for us, the glory of God in our lives, then we've got to be willing to suffer for the sake of the kingdom. And understand, that is part of it. That's what you signed up for. Ainsley joined the army. Most, all of you know that. She went to basic training at Fort Seal, and she was there, and they got to come home on holiday block leave. HBL is what they call it. And uh, last Christmas, she was home for a couple of weeks, and I don't know if you remember, but right before... Uh, the first of the year, right at the first of the year, um, uh, President Trump authorized the, the 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 killing or the bombing of a, uh, a um, Iranian general who has been responsible for killing thousands and thousands of of, of American GIs and and all just a lot of uh, uh, civilians. Also, uh, he was in I think Afghanistan or somewhere over there, and and they found out where he was, maybe Iraq or something, and. And he authorized, go ahead and bomb him. This is a bad dude, and he, he needs to be taken out. Well, of course, when he did that, Iran gets irate, you know, and they start threatening to, okay, you're, you're gonna, and, and all the, the, the um, media and everything. Well, he's trying to, he's gonna start World War Three, and all this mess is gonna blow up, and all this other stuff. And I, I was amazed uh, when Ainsley got back, and she got to call us, or the first letter she wrote back when she got back. The drill sergeant said. Look, hey, all this is happening, and, and if this continues to escalate like the Iranians are threatening, it says it's very likely that many of you are going to get deployed, and you're going to go right into the into the thick of things, right into the battle, uh, right after you get out of AIT. So we're, we're, we're really going to kind of start tightening up on some things, and really start training like you're getting ready for the, going right into war. And, and Ainsley wrote back, and she said, Dad, you would not believe the number of people that are they're just sitting around crying and boohooing and and all freaking out and saying, I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) Rand and I read that letter and we're thinking, wait a minute. You joined the army. You're at basic training, BCT, basic combat training. But yet you say you didn't sign up for this. And man, they're freaking out! Oh, I just signed up so I can get my, I can get four years of college paid for. You know, I signed up so I can get some insurance for my kids and my wife. You know, I signed up, hey, kind of for all kind of reasons. And then they're freaking out because hey, I might actually have to fight. <laughs> she was just absolutely dumbfounded. But you know what? There's a lot of Christians got that same attitude. Whoa! Wait a minute wait a minute, I signed up for heaven not persecution I signed up for no sickness not troubles I signed up for all my bills being paid not for giving everything away look I didn't sign up for this yes you did the problem is is the church And unfortunately, pastors have neglected that aspect of what it means to follow Christ. Your salvation is not about you. Your salvation is not about your comfort. Your salvation is about the transformation of your heart, your life, and the advancement of the kingdom of God all to his glory. Period. Now, I'm absolutely thankful that I get to go to heaven when I die. I'm absolutely thankful that in the middle of my troubles, I've got the one who owns and knows everything on my side. I am absolutely thankful that the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is present and available for me whenever he chooses and however he chooses to use it in my life. I am so thankful for that. But what we signed up for was his kingdom, his glory, and his purpose. And if you didn't sign up for that, I don't know that you're saved. That's why Jesus said, not everyone who calls uh, says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one that does the will of my Father. Uh, Let's look at what else he says in, in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 verse 22. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who who has endured to the end who will be saved. Matthew 24, verse 9. If you remember, Matthew chapter 4, or 24 and 25 are dealing with end times when when Jesus is talking about what what it's going to be like before his second coming, when the kingdom of God and and sin is dealt with completely, he says this, Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. It says, they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all the nations because of my name. That's what you signed up for. You signed up to deny yourself, to take up your cross daily, and to follow him. You signed up to deny yourself, deny your comfort, to deny your will, to deny your feelings, to deny your purpose, to deny your way. Take up your cross, that instrument of suffering. And if you remember, a a cross isn't an instrument of instant death. It would sometimes take a week for a person, or sometimes even longer for them to die on the cross as they suffer. That's what Jesus says. We signed up for suffering, long-term suffering for the sake of Christ. And to follow Him. Let Him be the leader of our life. Him be the authority of our life. Him be the guide to where we go, what we do, what we think, how we feel. I I, I, I struggle with this because I don't want to get belligerent about it. I don't want to get hateful about it. But folks, our salvation is not about us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our happiness. It's not about... Are anything. It's not even about our marriage and our family. Because in other places Jesus said, do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. The Prince of Peace came to bring a sword and division on the earth. Why? Because when we live for God's glory, when we live under His authority, when we live godly, righteous lives, the world is going to hate us, and there's going to be a division between believers and unbelievers, and we, we have come to the, to the conclusion, we have bought into the idea that Satan has sown that unless the church is, is loved by the community, unless the church is loved by the world, unless the church is, is, is um, uh, on good terms with, with lost people, then we cannot be effective. I am just going to tell you, we're not supposed to be jerks for Jesus. Don't hear me saying that. We're not supposed to be hateful. But any time you uphold and say, God's truth is the only truth, and there's no interpretation for it for you and for me, it's what God says is what matters. When you hold that up, you are going to be at odds with the world, and they're going to hate you. And we've got to be okay with that. Because we're not living for the world. We're living for the kingdom of God. We're living for eternity. And until the world sees us as authentic. Willing to suffer loss for what we truly say. Or say we truly believe. Then they're not going to believe us in anything we say. They're not looking for people that they agree with. They're looking for authentic followers of Christ. Because anytime you read God's word. It's confrontational. Anytime you read God's word, it is offensive. I'm a pastor and sometimes I read it and it offends me. Why? Because I'm a sinner and I still struggle with my own ideas and my own preferences and my own wants and my own will. And I struggle that when I read the word of God, it offends me. But then I've got a choice. Am I going to surrender to the word of God or I'm just going to be offended and let my my desires and my wants and my sin I take precedence over the Word of God. The gospel is offensive because the gospel says you are a sinner. A dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy sinner. And so am I. That's truth. That's offensive. People don't want to hear about sin. But the gospel says we're sinners. But the other side of that, the finishing of the gospel is, but Jesus came and died so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be in right relationship with the Holy God to, trans- or to, to, to give our, our sin and our filthiness to God and he will give us the righteousness of Christ. So the gospel is offensive. We can't live out the gospel. We can't declare the gospel. We can't preach the gospel. We can't live the gospel and think we're not going to offend anybody. But we've got to be like Jesus. Uncompromising in the truth, but also unconditional in love. Love doesn't mean... That you say, well, you're okay. It's all right, you know. And, and love doesn't say, well, there's no such thing as sin. And, you know, God understands. It's all right. It's all okay. That's not. That's not love. Love says, this is what God says is sin, and He is holy. And we all struggle with sin. And we're all broken before God. We're all a mess. That's why He sent His Son to die for us, so that we could all be forgiven if we will just deny ourselves, take up a cross, and follow Him. Then we can exchange our filthy rags, our sinful life for the righteousness and the glory of God. We speak the truth in love. Church, we've got to remember, this is not about us. And if we're going to experience all that God has for us, if we're going to experience the presence of God in our life, if we're going to experience the power of God, if we're going to see the kingdom of God advance in this community, we've got to be willing to lose everything. We've got to be willing to be persecuted. We've got to be willing to be called names. We've got to be willing to to, to be hated by some people. We've got to be uncompromising in the truth, but we've also got to be unrelenting in grace. Because that's the gospel. Uncompromising in truth. We're all sinners. But it's unrelenting in its grace. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The broken and contrite heart, God will not deny. He wants to forgive. But we've got to come on His turn. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for, the, for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Verse 12. What should be our response to this? Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward in heaven is great. Now, again, I, he didn't say be a jerk for Jesus and be proud of it. He says, but when you're living, living out the gospel, you're uncompromising in the truth, and you're speaking it in love, and you're living for God's glory. Be be glad and rejoice when the world hates you, that means you're living in such a way, you're living so radically different that they see the difference in you and it makes them uncomfortable. And you extend the grace of forgiveness. Rejoice and be glad for, for your reward in heaven is great. The second reason we should rejoice is because you're in good company. Even the prophets... Or in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in some great company when you're willing to be persecuted. When people see such a radical difference in you. They see the love of God flowing through you. And you are loving them even when they're not loving you. When you're speaking good and finding ways to do good to them. When they're even being hateful to you. They will... They will say all kinds of things and do all kinds of things. Just remember, you're in good company. They even did that to Jesus. Man, what better company to be in than the prophets and the Son of God. Rejoice and be glad because you're doing something right and the kingdom is going to be able to grow because of your faithfulness to the gospel and to the word of God. Let's let's seek the blessing more than comfort. Let's seek the presence, the power of God more than popularity. Let's seek the blessing and the power and the presence of God more than just having a whole bunch of friends and everybody talking good about us, being popular. Man, I'd much rather somebody say, you know, I really didn't like the guy, but I couldn't find anything against him either. I really didn't like the guy. I didn't like what he had to say. I didn't like what he stood for. I didn't agree with anything he said, but but you know, I could always count on him knew where he stood and he was a good friend he was authentic he was real and I appreciate that about him whether I agreed with him or not Let's seek God more than comfort Let's seek true blessing biblical blessing because it's in that where God can use us for amazing things. If you're here and you've never accepted Christ. Hope I didn't scare you off. But the truth is. It is hard to follow Christ. The, the greatest battle is the battle within. To deny ourselves. But also the greatest blessing. Comes. Peace. Joy hope, fulfillment, purpose, excitement. It all comes as we follow the Lord no matter our circumstance. So, if you're here today and you you've never accepted Christ, I pray that you'd accept him, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him because in these brief few years of life, it may be a struggle, but man, when we get to heaven, nothing's going to compare. And there is a day of judgment coming. And it ain't got nothing to do with how good you are and what good things you do. It's what did you do with Jesus that matters. That's all that's going to matter. Let's stand.